We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 504, Talk About Blow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. As always, on Tuesday, I'm joined by my good friend, writer, podcaster, sports media personality, Joe Yurden. Look, I, I'm not going to try to hide it, man. I'm, I'm, we're taping this Monday lunchtime. I still have that football hangover from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not feeling good about that game. We're going to talk about it, obviously. We'll talk what's going on with the Buffalo Bills. Um, we'll talk some Buffalo Sabres. I got to say this, though. At some point of during the craziness of the last five minutes in overtime of that football game on Sunday, I thought to myself, and I thought of you, because I'm like, and again, I feel like I say this every single week, but we always have new listeners coming through, so I, right. I, I will say this. Joe is not a Buffalo Bills fan like I am. Joe is a, a Bills watcher, so you do have the ability to watch a game with less emotion because you don't have a horse necessarily in the race when the Bills are playing. I don't think you you don't root against the Bills. It's just it's not going to ruin your day if the Buffalo Bills lose on Sunday is what I'm saying. But anyway, I started thinking during this game, Joe, I'm like, man, it would be nice if if you don't have any emotion in this game and you don't have a horse in the race, what an exciting, fun, wild, roller coaster ride of a football game that really was, was it? I mean, it really was. Uh, I, I think I've become a little bit too close in watching the bills because I, you, you see enough stuff over the years and you just kind of see like what's going on with it and knowing, you know, knowing what uh, the Vikings already did to my team earlier this year. So I was watching this with a, with a view of like, you gotta be kidding me. Really? They're not going to, they're not going to pull another, you know, rabbit out of their hat again. Jeez. Give me right. a break. And then, and then sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Now, I don't have the same burning hate for the Vikings that I do with the Packers. Like the Vikings are just kind of like a nothing, whatever. Like the There's no mini Bills helmet on your uh, in your podcast setup for this week. No, no. They they the Vikings are a, are a pointless franchise that is that's won as much as the Lions have. So, you know, that's uh that's that's about as nice as I can be to them, but also like, I just don't care. Like they the two of the worst games to watch every year is usually Lions Vikings and you know, that's 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 usually where that stands. Of course, Bears with Lions is also usually pretty bad, but yes, that game turned out to be pretty 
interesting too, but, uh, but that's besides the point, but yeah, I, I'd seen enough of Minnesota to know, to know that, you know, they, they get ahead at the half and I'm looking at it, I'm going, they got it. They got to get, they got to get the next, the bills have to get the next, t- next touchdown and they can't let Minnesota get close because they've got the confidence now because they've done it. Geez, what three, four times already this year, five times. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Um, well, you know, I usually don't pay attention to historical stats because ultimately they don't really mean much. They don't mean much on that day and, and, and in the present day in general. But that stat that they threw out on Fox, I almost said CBS, I forgot this was a Fox game, where the Bills had won 52 straight home games when they were up by at least two touchdowns at the half and they had not lost the game at home, went up 14 or more at the half since 1968. Man, I wrote, I got my little sub stack going and I write, you know, just some observations. It's the only sports stuff I really have any interest in doing. I just always jot down thoughts after the game, but I I wrote, I wasn't even born yet, man. I feel old and even I wasn't born yet. The last time the Bills blew a two touchdown lead or more at the half at home and lost. It was just, the whole week was crazy leading up to the game. I thought there was no way on earth Josh Allen was going to play. I thought there was no way on earth Josh Allen should have played. I still think that was very dangerous to put him potentially in harm's way for a game. I'm not going to say the game didn't mean anything. The game meant plenty, but it's a long season. I was really stunned to learn on Saturday at 4 p.m. I was completely expecting a, a tweet from the Bills saying Matt Barkley's been elevated from the practice squad. That didn't happen. So we knew Saturday at 4.01 p.m. that Josh Allen was going to start. I was stunned. Now, his struggles during the game, I don't think had really much to do anything with the elbow. Didn't see any grimacing, you know what I mean? And his mistakes were the same mistakes that we've been seeing. I'm just trying to think, man, you know, from from a fan perspective, is it safe to say that, you know, the, the Lions are your favorite football team, but... I mean, you know, you rib on them as much as I do, if not oh, more. They've never no, had no I, success. I dunk on them nonstop. You're a Red, you're a Red Wings fan, yeah. and that was a championship team. You know, you had yep. championship players on the team. I, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is it's not fun, and it's sometimes uncomfortable when you have a player that's as talented as Josh Allen, as good as he is, it's almost uncomfortable to be behind a microphone right now criticizing and hammering him. But you know what? Joe, you got to, based on the last two and a half games, a lot of the criticism going on social media right now amongst the fans, mainly in some extent the media, it's deserved. I mean, this guy is really, really making a lot of mistakes. And Mm -hmm. do you feel, because I do, I'm starting to feel like, too much he's I don't know if the team is putting too much on him or if it's himself that's putting too much on himself but he's playing hero football again and it's like he's went back in a time machine to 2019 with some of these unbelievable plays with his legs and his arm and then these god-awful mistakes mm-hmm. do you get a sense that maybe again maybe it's the coaches maybe it's himself He's just putting too much on himself and it's resulting in a lot of these errors because you watch some of the film, which we'll talk about a couple of specific plays in a few, but man, just generally speaking, do you, are you starting to feel like he's putting way too much on himself? 
This, uh, I think a lot of what we, we've seen, and it really, I don't know, I guess this assessment really only applies to, I think it really only applies to this past game and maybe a little bit of the Jets game too, but um, we're, I'm breaking out a term that got used a lot his first couple of seasons, especially like 2019 in particular. He's trying to play hero ball, like yeah. take it all on himself. Like He's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of it. Follow me, boys. I got this one. Which I listen. If it's him saying that, like, okay, <laughs> you know, I don't feel bad about that. Like, that's I don't want to take that. I don't want to take that kind of you know, you know, guts away from him. That's certainly not something I'm looking to do. But there's there, there's doing that and making the right decisions and making the right calls, and there's doing that and just kind of getting a little bit frantic and saying like, I'll throw it up there. Somebody's going to get it, you know, or you know, maybe he sees something out of the corner of his eye and he's like, all right, I, I can, I can, I can hammer this throw in there and, and get it done. Um, which I felt the last, the, the, the end, the game ending interception I felt was exactly that. Like yeah. he, he saw a tiny, tiny window and he's like, if I throw this hard enough, I can get it right there to my guy. Touchdown. We win. And no, it's, it's, and I don't know if that means he like that. I mean, that leads to like other questions like, you know, is his arm still, you know, as strong, you know, is he, you know, like this, that, or the other thing. I I don't, I don't want to get into that kind of stuff, but the decision to make that throw is bad. Yeah. Because again, it's a microscopic window. You're talking about, he needs to throw that ball 200 miles an hour. To, to you know, to have like a sort of a real puncher's chance to do it, but I don't know. I I, I really don't want to do. I don't want to take that stuff away from him. But there's something happened with him with the decision making, and it started with the second half of the Green Bay game. Yes, we went from being like the lead for the MVP, like you know, pretty you know, you pretty much couldn't argue. It was like him or Jalen Hurts, but it was like nah, Allen's gonna win it. Right. Uh, to being rookie year, Allen again, which again, you see, you'd see flashes of brilliance. I mean, there was, there was a couple of drives there where you're just like, okay, he's back. He's good. Uh, but that entire second half, like it's, it's just some bad decisions, some really bad decisions. And it was, you know, it, it's bad decisions on his part. It's bad play calling on Dorsey's part too. Yes. Yeah. Cause there was, you know, they, you know, they got to, they got, you know, they get ahead and they, they had a three and out with two incomplete passes. Like, I don't know, man. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff you can't be doing with, you know, five, six, five, six minutes to go in the game. Absolutely not, Joey. And, and listen, I know when it comes to Josh Allen, you know, this, everyone knows this. It's the way he plays football. And if you're going to have a quarterback like Josh Allen, you're going to have peaks and valleys, really extreme highs and really low lows. I get that to an extent. Okay. But here's some stats and this is undeniable and three, two and a half games. And now it's, it's not like it doesn't feel like an anomaly anymore. It's starting to feel like a pattern. Josh Allen in his last 10 quarters of football has thrown six interceptions, six picks in his last 10 quarters, and his last four picks, including both on Sunday, were in the red zone. He has thrown four red zone interceptions in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Also, the fumbled snap. I watched it. On film afterwards, I watch it 10 times. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you now. And first, I was like, oh, Mitch Moore. That's, there was nothing wrong with the snap. The snap mm-hmm. was there. Josh Allen started moving forward with the football 
before he had a control in his hands, and that's what caused the fumble. The fumble was not a combination of a bad snap from Morris and Allen mishandling it. Mm-hmm. That's on Josh, okay? Yeah. At least from what I saw with my own eyes. And it's just these mistakes. Your point, he was a clear front runner for the MVP based on his first six games. I, mm-hmm. It felt like all the – what felt – the only step I felt like Josh Allen had left to make near the end of last year and maybe going into this year was – being more patient and being willing more to take what the defense gives him. And he's not doing that right now. Mm-hmm. And he is for stretches, but then it's like he gets impatient. That game um, ending interception, and you can see it on film. Now, to be fair, I, I did see views on Twitter where it's cropped and it looks like no one's even near Devin Singletary. Yeah. That's not the case. No. I watched the actual film and he – Singletary would have still had to be worst case though. He gets five yards is third and five and you live to fight another down or two more downs if necessary. Josh completely forced that pass at the end of the game. And that's the thing. Like I said, he's, he's starting to really force things and the jets game. I got it to an extent because you right. watched the same game. I did dude. Nobody helped him on offense against the jets. The offensive line couldn't block worth shit. He got sacked five times. Gabe Davis is dropping balls. The receivers are running bad routes, not getting any separation. That wasn't the case on Sunday. Stephon Diggs was incredible. 12 catches, he was incredible. Gabe Davis played very well. He had a couple great catches, including one, quite frankly, that shouldn't have counted, that helped the Bills get to overtime near the end Mm -hmm. of the game. Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox each had four catches, four productive catches. The offense played well around him. Devin Singletary had two rushing touchdowns in the first half. So you can't say, well, he had no help on Sunday. This was on him. And I want to circle back to what you said. I think Ken Dorsey, I don't know. It's like he goes into games with scripted plays. I, I It's like, can he call a game on the fly in the second half? Mm-hmm. Because I'm starting to wonder, the w- w- what the hell happened to the running game in the second half? Yeah. I, I just, I mean, God, I can, I can rant forever, Joe. I'm, a, I'm really, I'm very frustrated and I'm mm-hmm. annoyed at this loss, probably more than any other, except for the Kansas City playoff game last right. year, that I can remember in quite a while because there's just no excuse to lose this game. Like, right. what's going on with Ken Dorsey? Why are they abandoning the running game with Devin Singletary every week in the second half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, if I had that answer, I think I'd be in. I think I'd be up in the box <laughs> <laughs> with, with with a Bill shirt on, helping out coach. Uh, I, I the the going away from the run blows my mind because it was what what one called run play i think it was you you want to hear something crazy here's stats i wrote them down okay okay the bills the bills final 19 plays of the game produced zero carries by the running backs devin singletary got stopped for no gain on the first play of the fourth quarter mm-hmm. didn't get another carry the rest of the game james cook one carry seven yards that's it and now mind you the bills were playing with a lead this entire time and at one point it was a two-score lead mm-hmm. so they only ran the ball two times in their last 24 play goals. Now Josh Allen took off with his legs a few times, but there were only two designed runs in the entire final quarter and overtime. Again, with them up 10 points going into the fourth quarter. If you're on YouTube, folks, I want to show you a quick, uh, not a video. I'm going to show you a photo, all right? This play pisses me off. Like I told you, the Singletary one was kind of, if they would have dumped it to him on social media, it looked like he was, no one near him. That's not the case. I'm going to put, put this up on the graphic for you to watch, Joe. Here's the situation. The Bills are up 27-17, okay? 
It's second down and two. They had an eight-yard pass, Isaiah McKenzie on first down. They're at the seven-yard line, right? Mm-hmm. It's second and two here on this play. Again, the Bills score a touchdown. They're back up three scores. Ball game, right? Well, it's second and two from the seven-yard line. And if you're watching this on YouTube, look at the Minnesota defensive front right now. They're playing a white box. They're in a nickel defense. There's only six people in the box. Duke Johnson is the running back. They are practically begging the Bills to run the football right here. Worst case, you're getting a first down and it's first and goal inside the five-yard line. And that's worst case. This is second and two. The Bills call a bubble screen to Dawson Knox that had no chance. Josh mm-hmm. throws it at the ground. Um, and then a, a slant pass to McKenzie or something like that on third down mm-hmm. over the middle for nothing. And then on fourth down, the Bills went for it. And this became the first of what would become two interceptions by Patrick Peterson. But look at this photo, man. This photo, more than anything else, mm-hmm. just almost makes me sick to my stomach. And this is where it's like, if you don't trust Devin Singletary right now, who had two touchdowns rushing in the red zone in the first half, if you can't trust your running back to give me a, a gift, two yards first down, again, the Vikings aren't stacking the line inside the 10. Nope. Look at that defense. They're playing in a nickel. They're begging mm-hmm. you to run the football. And the Bills continue, and Ken Dorsey is calling a pass. Now, in fairness to Dorsey, too, this is also on Josh, because I guarantee you, even if Dorsey called this bubble screen, Josh should be looking at that defense and getting out of that play, and I know he has the authority to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just with his arm. It's some of the things that Josh is doing. I don't know why, but again, why would you not stick with the run right there, Joe? I mean, that's ball game. Yeah, I, I I see that setup, and yeah, they were daring him. Uh, but I see uh, twenty two. Is that twenty two? Peterson, Smith, uh, Smith. Yeah. Okay, sorry. You got Smith there. He's peeking in the backfield because if it's a run, he's coming in. If it's not, he's you know he's he's dropping back. Yeah, he's and I think seven the, yards off the line though. Right, and you know the linebackers have the same assignment. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they. I don't think they. I don't know if they. They couldn't have blitzed on that play because they did it. The screen they did. Dude, nope. They they um, flowed to the they flowed to the screen. Like I said, I wish I had the video instead of just yeah. the photo. But yeah, man, the Vikings. Trust yeah. me, man, the Vikings were just begging them to run the ball. Right, but that's. I mean, that's that's a pretty safe defensive setup <sighs> given that situation. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty safe bet because if they run it, you got your you got three guys ready to jump it. You already got your front four coming at coming at you. That, but then you've got three guys right there immediately just in the shot of that, you know, that the shot of that setup, three guys are right there ready to, to, to go or where the ball's going. Um, but if they, but if it becomes a pass situation, well, okay. Uh, you know, either one of the linebackers or Smith follows Knox uh, and, you know, somebody's tracking the running back out of the backfield. And I, I mean, that's basic. It's basic football, but, but man, I mean, that's set up. I mean, <laughs> Hell, I, I hate the call. I always hate the calls with, where it's a design run for Allen to take it. But like, hell, just run off guard, man. You know, like just follow follow somebody's follow somebody's big ass through a hole and, and grab a couple yards. You know, if the if the Vikings got a stack front and you know they got a bunch of guys up the line and they're bringing heat up the middle, then I can understand maybe throwing the bubble screen at second and two. Man, you're up ten, put the game away. It's just. At this point with Devin Singletary, he gets one carry in the fourth quarter. I just don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on. If you don't trust – he's basically a decoy in the the second half of football games for the Mm -hmm. Bills. Who, by the way, again, you want to talk about a pattern, Joe? The Bills have scored one offensive touchdown in the second half since the Kansas City game, which was, what, a month ago? There is a problem. There's a coaching problem with this football team right now, and Mm -hmm. people don't like to talk about it. And this is something that kind of pisses me off right now and with with Buffalo – 
Bills Twitter and Facebook. It's like, no, the sky's not falling. They're still six right. and three. But this is not nothing either. This is not no. a who cares and one game out of 17. No. You're up three scores in the second half at home and you lose. And your quarterback has thrown six picks in the last 10 quarters and four of them are in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And you're not running the football. This is more than nothing. This is a problem for the Bills right now. Right. They're, I mean, the reality right now is they're a third place team in the division, which makes yeah. me, me an asshole for crowning them the champs <laughs> a month ago after the kids said, it's like, it's over. They're not doing it. Well, it turns out the division's good. Uh, and now they're 0 2 in the division. Uh, and, you know, yeah. lose, Miami loses the Jets. Like, th- th- that's a problem. Those are two teams right there ahead of you. Sure. And, you know, you've got New England lurking in a couple weeks. And you know, I'm not buying the hype in New England, but if you're going to play like this, that. Uh, you know, you could be 0-3 in the division really quick. Uh, yeah. But this is, I don't know. This is, it, it's The play calling is definitely an issue. I, 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 there was a big deal made that they had five running backs on the game roster yesterday, and they used, I mean, they used them sparingly. And obviously hardly at all in the second half. But you've got, you know, you've got all these guys that, that are, they're, literally their job is to run the ball, and then you don't run the ball. I, 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 it, they ran it in the first half. And they did it fairly effectively too. And and like, and I don't know if it's a pride thing where it's you know they get up they get up by ten you know ten thirteen points or whatever, and you're thinking like okay let's let's try to run this up. We could throw all over these guys, or uh, you know let's flex let's flex on these guys. We show let's show them we can do this. You know like what we can do against a really good team because you know, I I mean listen I wasn't buying any hype on the Vikings. I I still don't think they're very good. I know they're I know the record's really good, but I'm you know, am I believing that they're a, they're a good team? No. 80, 81, man. No, I, <laughs> I, I know. I I know. <laughs> but like they're but they're a comeback team, you know? Like that's if you leave a door open for them, they're going to run through it. Like that's that's the kind of team that they are. Whereas the Bills are the team that's like if they don't run away and hide in the first half, things get tight in the second half and Things change, you know, teams make adjustments and that's when things seem to get hard because I don't know. And again, I don't know if it's a pride thing as far as the play calling goes or what, but it's, it's, there, there's not a lot of adjustments made on the bills behalf. I, I think the Kansas city game was the one game where they did make adjustments, but again, that's a game that they, they were preparing for from the second, the second they lost to, to them in the playoffs. Like they're like, all right, well, we're going to get them next year. We're going to beat these guys. Right put all your eggs in a basket to beat one team to show them who's boss. And then suddenly it's, oops, you've lost three of the next four games. And then, okay, well now you can't, can't go start thinking about like, well, let's lock up the number one seed in the AFC. We got to get this done. Now it's like getting the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's the, that's, that's what it is now. Like, okay, now, now you have to get in the playoffs. Now, thankfully most of the teams in the AFC outside of the AFC East and maybe the, hmm, I don't, know. I don't know. Everything else is kind of sketchy, but like you can't take anything for granted. Now is the thing, you know? No. And like, I mean, listen, if you want to paint sunshine on it, you could say like, Oh, well they've already beat, you know, two other division leaders. You know, they beat Tennessee, they beat Kansas city. It's like, well, good. They lost the two teams in their division. So who cares? You know, that's, well, that's how you have to chalk it up at this point. I, I just, I don't know what it is. With, I, I can't figure out Devin Singletary. And the only conclusion I can come to is that this is, uh, an organization coaching staff that does not have confidence in them. And in fairness to the coaches, I mean, it was a close call. It could have won either way. In the replay, it was even hard to see. But Devin Singletary did fumble the football when the Bills were getting ready to score. That Minnesota recovered and ran back. 
right. again, a lot. There were so many things that had to happen for the Bills to blow this game. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. Again, though, it's like if you don't trust your running back, don't have him on the field. I keep saying it every week, and it's not like a broken record. I'm ready to see more James Cook. I like the way he's running. He's patient. He could get outside, which is something that I don't think Singletary could do. They could run those pitches outside. They, mm-hmm. they, he had a seven-yard run on one of those on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Naheem Hines, you trade for him. You know, I go back to that stupid bubble screen to Dawson Knox. Why not have him in the game and maybe swing a pass out to him in the flat if you really want to throw right. it that bad on, on second and two? It's a combination of I think they don't trust Singletary or the running game in general. And I think, I think, and this is just my opinion, I think Josh is changing plays up at the line because, again, as the game got tightened up, I feel like he put, he took too much. I just, I have, I have a hard time believing that the Bills wouldn't even bother to call any run plays. And I'm wondering if Josh checked out of some himself. I'm going to give you a hot take, Joe, that you, you'll like it, maybe. Okay. Bills fans ain't going to like this, but should I'm going to be. Should I call the firehouse to have the, uh, the sirens come by? Should I, <laughs> should I do that to get it ready? Yeah, they might after this, because I'm being dead honest with you, and I'm taking the uh, the fandom out when, when I say this. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the Jets. The Jets are a nice story. They're a nice young team. They got too many injuries, too many key guys. They're going to fall mm-hmm. off. I expect them to finish maybe like nine and eight, somewhere around that. But the Miami Dolphins are every bit as good as the Buffalo Bills. I'm telling you now, their wide receivers are flat out better than the Bills, and that's even with Diggs, okay? Their tight end, maybe the tight end is a wash. Miami's got better running backs. I think the defensive line for Miami is just as good. No, they don't have a Vaughn Miller, but they got three or four really good, consistently good pass rushers. They got a pair of great corners. I'd give the Bills the edge of safety when they're actually healthy if Hoyer's out there, which has not been the case. And the Bills are clearly better at linebacker than Miami. What's made the difference keeping Miami lower than Buffalo has been the quarterback play. Josh Allen has been one of the best two quarterbacks in the NFL, and Mm -hmm. Tua was not even close to that. However, like it or not, Tua's playing at an MVP level right now. That Miami Dolphins Mm -hmm. offense is clicking, and the Bills and Josh Allen are making a shitload of mistakes. If the bridge, the gap, and I'm not talking about talent, I'm talking about performance. Mm-hmm. If the bridge is going to be that close between Josh Allen and Tua, then I'm telling you right now, Miami is every single bit as good as the Buffalo Bills. Because one through fifty-three, I think they're just as good as Buffalo. Yeah, it's the 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 defense being as different in Miami's favor is a big deal. Like that's 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 a big deal, and then, you know. Blame the sunshine if you want. Blame the weather if you want. But, like, their defense did a damn good job against the Bills down there. Now, if they can do it in December when it's probably going to be nine feet sure. of snow on the ground, like, okay, then 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 it's a then it's a super-duper big problem. But, um, but I, and listen, I, fans here love cramming it on Tua. They love burying him. They love killing him for everything. They pick his throws apart, does all this stuff. Seems to be getting the job done pretty well. Top three MVP player right now. Looks really good now. It's like, okay, he doesn't throw a great ball. Like, this, you know, the passes don't look majestic the way Allen's do or Mahomes' do. He gets him there. The receivers catch him. You know, they, they stays out of trouble. You know, then then you have uh, then you have two receivers that can run away with the ball too. You know, because you've got that aspect. And it, you know, it's not saying that they need a speed burner or anything like that. Buffalo might help, but, um, but I mean, you know, they, everybody knows what Tyreek Hill can do. Like we already know that, and Waddle is incredible. Like, that's that's the guy that flies under the radar. So I mean, you know, Gasicki's a pretty good tight end too. So I mean, it's yeah. 
the, the parts are there. It's just, I think a lot of people here were just kind of like, ah, it's the Dolphins. They never put it together. Which Because of their quarterback. Maybe they are now. The quarterbacks put it together. Right. This way, if the MVP vote was today, right now at this moment as we're taping this podcast, Mahomes, Hurts, Tua. Pick your order. Whatever order you want to go, I'll, I'll buy it. Those are your top three right now for MVP. Josh Allen is not in the top three for MVP. Not after the last couple of games. Now, he could go on a nice run like he's obviously very capable of. And Josh right. Allen could definitely end up becoming MVP before it's all said and done. But right now, today, after 10 weeks of football, Tua, much of the dismay of Bills fans who won't want to admit this. Well, some will. You know, let's not say it's not all Bills fans. Right. Some will give credit where it's due. He's playing at a top three MVP level right now, and there's no question about it in my mind. The Bills' problem continues to be beyond just Josh Allen, by the way. Self-inflicted wounds. That is the number one problem with the Buffalo Bills. And again, we're being very uh, detrimental towards a team that is still 6-3 right. and three at the end of the day. I get that. I understand that. But self-inflicted wounds, we've talked about this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Been a problem all year. Four turnovers against the Rams. Didn't cost them. Um Two second-half interceptions against the Packers didn't really cost them. It cost them against the Jets, and it certainly cost them uh, this week against the Vikings. Beyond the Josh Allen mistakes, the, the, the two picks, the fumble, we talked about Singletary's fumble. This defense, backups, too many backups in, and we'll talk right. about that in a second. But, man, I'm gonna put, I put up one photo earlier on the offense. I got to put one photo up on the defense. And I got to preface this by saying I got to give Justin Jefferson – a world of credit. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's fourth and 18. Fourth down and 18 yards to go. Heaves it up for Jefferson. One hand on the football. Cam Lewis, who's playing in place of Jordan Poyer. Don't get me started on that. Well, actually, you can in a minute. Anyway, he's got two hands on the football. Joe, he's. I'm going to say what he said. Knock the fucking ball. He said fucking too. Knock the fucking football down. Cam Lewis said this himself. He was mad at himself after the game in the locker room. Yep. Knock the football down. Don't try to intercept it. He said he thought it was over his head. Clearly, it's not. Somehow, nope. some way, and again, credit to Jefferson. This guy is just an animal. I mean, he's a beast. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. One of the best rec- – this is one of the best catches I've ever seen. When you sit back there in the fact that it's fourth and 18 and the game is over if he does not make this catch. Look at Cam Lewis right there with the football. And all yeah. he's got to do is knock it down or make sure Jefferson with one hand literally out muscles both of his hands and comes down with that football. Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> Self-inflicted wounds. No right. in your head. Knock the football down. Mistakes. It's, oh, God. I, I didn't think I would see a catch better than the DeAndre Hopkins catch against Buffalo a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is the best catch. This this might be the – this is a top five all-time catch. I mean, all-time. Yeah. He's made a great catch, Joe. We're not – He did. We can't even – we don't got time to talk about that. What an amazing catch by Diggs. Incredible that catch. pales in comparison to this. Look at this, man. Also, game's on the line. How does he come down with this football? Uh, Diggs also had a pass that hit him right in the numbers that he didn't catch. Yeah, big one too. Game. That was that was going to be a big one. But I, I mean, I thought the Tyree catch in the Super Bowl for the Giants against the Patriots was insane, and it is. You can almost chalk that up to kind of flukiness, but you know, still caught against his helmet like that's cra- it's craziness. It's physics. You know, there's no reason he should catch that ball. There is zero reason Justin Jefferson should have <laughs> that ball. There, I, He's got defenders got both hands on the ball. Like I get it. Like catch it interception game over. I understand. But like also remember Jefferson's not even 
He's not even like it's he's sideways in the air too. It's like his body is parallel to, to the right. to the seats, man. It's not even like his feet are off the ground and he's straight up trying to, you know, like an NBA jump ball. He's yep. sideways. Yeah, he's he's parallel to the ground. And oh it's my it's God. it's incre- it's incredible. And I you know Jefferson had an unbelievable game because every I mean, well, a every pass play went to him and he caught everything late in that game he caught everything and the number of times where you know the, he, you know they make a play and he makes the catch in the fan you hear it like half the fan the fans like way upstairs go start going nuts thinking that you know they knocked it away or did whatever and then the fans downstairs are like are you fucking serious he got another one he got another one how and it it's that weird wave of sound because everybody upstairs is like yeah they got him and then everybody downstairs is like no they didn't get him he, he got another ball he made another catch and like that Fourth and eighteen, man. Like that's, I mean, it's as far as blown fourth downs. It's not. It's not the worst one I've seen. Fourth and twenty six between Green Bay and I think it was Philadelphia years ago is probably the worst one because that happened at a playoff game, I think. Yeah. Um. But that's. I mean, that's. I, what are you gonna do? Like, he did. He did literally everything you could. That that you can't. Like you can't. And even the touchdown ball. Um. The touchdown that he caught later. I don't know if it was that driver was uh, one of the later ones perfectly placed ball like he's defended perfectly like there's nothing the safety corner could do like he's he's got him right where he needs him reaches up grabs it toe, you know toe taps both down touchdown like what how you did everything you could you defended it as perfectly as possible and the dude still comes away with a catch that's that's not so much the defense's fault that's the that's a better player a vastly better player doing what he does like that's that's totally what it is we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager... I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos 
from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. I'm back with Joe Yurden. Joe. So, yeah, you're right about Justin Jefferson, by the way. Um, he's just a great player making great plays. And in fairness to the Bills secondary, this is a man who does this against most secondaries in the NFL. I got to tell you, though, so if number one, the Bills' biggest problem is self-inflicted wounds, we agree with that. Number two are the physical wounds. The injuries have really hurt this team this year. Jermaine Edmonds got hurt right before the half. And I'll tell you, you see a difference when he's not in the game in the second half. And I'm very critical at times of Jermaine Edmonds. But him and pass defense is some of the things he's – people I talk to who are smart who cover the team say, if nothing else, Jermaine Edmonds is a deterrent. Like some quarterbacks go away from him, and it kind of limits their options because of the presence of Edmonds in pass coverage. And I think he was missed on Sunday. Trey White, it's frustrating that he's not playing. I think we all expected him to. At the same token, I understand if they're playing a long game with him, they want him good to go in December and January, 100%. And mm-hmm. if he's not 100%, if he can't make all those football cuts right now, then you can't put him in there. But uh, this Jordan Poyer injury, to me, has is, is been huge. And if you want numbers that will support that, the Buffalo Bills this year are 5-0 and when he plays. When Jordan Poyer does not play, they're 1-3. Now, Micah Hyde's been gone for the whole year. And in fairness, I think DeMar Hamlin has been excellent. Okay, I think he's been a good player. He ain't going to make those like that New England game last year, the, those plays that Micah Hyde makes. You look at this Vikings game, you look at the Jets game last week, though, and even the Miami game, but mainly these last two games, okay? This was the kind of game last year the Bills would win because you had two all-pro caliber safeties. One of those two guys is going to make a play, and it literally, all it took was this Bills defense to have one big play Sunday and the game was over. Didn't do it. Jordan Poyer makes that play. You know, Cam Lewis is not in the game. Jordan Poyer's there. He's knocking that ball down or he's intercepting it, one or the other. He's making a play at some point. He's proving this, Jordan Poyer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Him not being in the lineup. And again, Rizzo's hurt. That hurts them to some extent. Jermaine Evans being out hurts them to some extent. Kyrie Elam did not play. And Benford was out there. He had an interception. But you know what, Joe? That interception. Don't get fooled by that. He got beat by 10 yards. It was a terrible overthrow by Cousins that led to the pick. Yep. Benford had two bad penalties in the fourth quarter. That hurt them. But anyway, again, he's your fourth corner. Um, but Jordan Poyer not being out there, I, I think him and Hyde, I, when you had those two guys, I think you some people take it for granted just how much security you had back there with those two guys. And you're really seeing Jaquan Johnson was brutal against the Jets. He got benched. He didn't even play. Mm-hmm. Cam Lewis start, got the start this week. And – same deal with Cam Lewis. A couple big mistakes. You're really, really missing Jordan Poyer. I think that hurts him a lot. It's, I mean, listen, it, you're missing one 
pro bowl safety, you know, all pro safety is bad enough. Missing both of them is it's an impossible thing to try to replace. And honestly, the secondary, they've done well. I mean, they're so decimated by injuries. That sure. They've done so well to this point, but there's a breaking point, you know, you, yeah, and it's not so much like it's a scouting thing. Like you can't scout out a, yeah, I mean, you can, but it's not something where you can consistently every play just expose a weakness against somebody in there. Um, but this is, it, 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 you can only really go so long with having guys that are not, you know, and no offense to them, they're playing very well, but they're not quite NFL starter caliber type players yet. Like that, and again, they're playing extremely well. I, I'm not. I can't slam them. They they've been very strong all year. But to get against the guy, you know, a team that will throw the ball that has a that has one unbelievable receiver, and you know they have and he has other options. I mean, geez, we, we didn't even talk about Adam Thielen or Hawkinson or, or yeah or, or yeah or Hawkinson, which you know, sad, but um, <laughs> but it's uh, but I mean like. It's it's not a it's not a quarterback receiving crew that you're just kind of like it's like oh man we gotta look out for these guys you're just not doing that and I mean maybe that's the maybe that's the people's detriment maybe people will start taking him seriously but in the Bills case like I, I just I don't know I I think you get to a point where it's you know you know these guys are they're they're good in the roles that they had before they're, they're good for you know you know come in for a handful of plays come in in dime packages you know quarter packages whatever it is. When you need another guy out there, it's like, okay, these guys are good. They can handle their business. They got it. But consistently, every, you know, every down, every play, every, everything, you're, there are going to be mistakes made because they are young, because they are inexperienced. Like, it's just going to happen. And you have to kind of accept it, except this is, you know, it, it's tougher to do when the team has Super Bowl, is, is Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl aspiration. Sure. It's a lot tougher to accept that in this situation. But I mean, Listen, if they if they didn't have Leslie Frazier coaching the defense, and if they didn't, and honestly, if they didn't have Mc, you know uh, Sean McDermott there to, to to also coach these guys up in the secondary, because he's you know I mean that's his wheelhouse. He doesn't. If they don't have those two guys there, then the, you know it's probably a humongous problem. But though, I think that they've done really well in getting those guys ready for for games and ready for these situations. But at some point, the talent difference is get is going to wear you out. It is. And this defense kind of like the offense is overly reliant on Josh Allen. It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I was screaming for Vaughn Miller to make a play on defense. Cause he seems like he's the only one that's going to, and he did by the way, he had a late sack, which should have mattered more. Um, you know, and a lot of people say, well, you know, in terms of the bills defense, you know, they've been bad against the run lately. And you're like, well, you know, the Vikings had 147 yards, but 81 of them was on one touchdown run. I'm like, well, 81 yards, they gave up a fucking touchdown run. They right. made a mistake, and Dalvin Cook took it to the house. That was mm-hmm. a big play. Joe, the Bills had just went up 17. And the next play, the Vikings have an 81-yard touchdown run, and bam, just like that, right back it's a two-score game. game. Now, in fairness to the Bills' defense, they did make one stop. At the end of the game, Shaq Lawson and a couple others combined, they stopped him at the half. Kirk Cousins on the quarterback sneak. Mm-hmm. Game should have been over. Josh doesn't fumble the football, man. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the pressure is really on right now. And and this is Josh Allen's last year. Now, look, you've said this before, and I agree 100%. As long as Josh Allen's playing football for the Bills and he's under quarterback, they're always going to be in the mix mm-hmm. because he is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And he's still a great quarterback, right? He's a great quarterback who's struggling right now and making bad mistakes. He's still a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. But 
This is the last year where you got Josh Allen on a little sweetheart cap deal because next year his cap goes from like it's like $16 million now to $39 million next year. So you're not going to get a better opportunity with money and, and being able to retain more guys, I think, than you have right now. There's no more trust the process bullshit. The process is right now. The maturity, the growth, the process has been years in the making. It's a disappointment. Anything else right now It's funny. We look at the schedule. Six and one. We said the first seven games were murder, murderers yeah. row. Six and yeah. one. We said the back half, the last nine's easy. Zero oh and two. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Cleveland's coming to town next week. Laugh at that. They run the football well. Yeah. Nick Chubb is an animal. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt can run the football. And from what I've seen, early indications on Monday, there might be a foot of snow on the ground over the course of the weekend. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's not let's get into that. Let's just not. There's no giving games with this team right now until they until. The coaching is different until they find a way to run the ball and, and Josh reels it in a little bit and, and gets a little more patient when he needs to be. This uh, There's no gimme games, man. So, I don't know. We'll it's, see. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, you expect hiccups. And, I mean, even, you know, we got talking about this last week after the Jets game. We, we were just kind of like, there's no reason to overreact about this stuff because, like, you know, you – Good, great teams, good, great teams will have these, you know, midseason where lulls where it's just kind of like, oh man, these guys look like idiots. They stink. Like, yeah, they can't lose. They can't lose another game like that. And you know, in some cases, teams don't. Like, you know, I, I made the the Kansas City uh, use the Kansas City example uh, last week, where you know they lose a they lose some awful game to New England that they had no business losing, and it's like, geez, these guys ain't gonna do anything this year. And then I don't think they lost again the rest of the season. Or if they did, it was you know somebody against somebody else that was good, but. It's, uh, I mean, this is just, there. what we thought were things that you could just work through and get past are actual issues now, where whether it's, you know, it's Josh in his own, in, in his own head, whether, Al, you know, if Alan's overthinking stuff or, you know, he's, he's trying to put it all on his own shoulders to, t- to take care of the game, whether it's that or if it's Dorsey losing, you know, losing his track of how he's got to help Alan manage the game. Or, you know, I mean, if, you know, if, if it's Allen swapping out plays that, you know, if Dorsey's like, he's like, okay, you know, Singletary off tackle, let's do that. And, and Allen's like, oh, no, they're giving me a look where we could throw the ball. Let's do that instead. Like, I mean, I can't imagine he would that, – that's something where you do because I, I think that would be a very animated conversation on the sideline at that point. But, um, but it's – there's – there are some – there are some issues with this right now and – you don't want to overreact because again, this team is extremely good. They're supposed to, you know, I know there's issues with the defense and whatever, but like they're extremely good and they can all almost always offense their way out of problems. But sometimes you're going to get some teams that hulk up and figure it out and start making more plays and start making things happen. And, you know, I think you're in a spot now where if there's another kind of game like this, you start wondering about players psyche, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is different than like what was it? I think it was last year's team, where, uh, you know, they thought the, last year's team thought like, oh well, we're you know nobody's gonna touch us. We're better. Like they're reading all the headlines and you know saying like, yeah, we rule. And this year they've been very focused. This is not a team that's you know getting getting high on their own supply. Like right. They they understand the job that that has to be done. It's just. It's uh, it's just not coming together right now, and I, I I love that you pointed out Miller making a big play at the late in the game that should have sealed it. And that's two weeks in a row that's happened now. Yeah, like it, he had the big you know the the forced fumble sack against the Jets, 
gets you know makes a big play against the Vikings and he's been great. Finish it. He's hey, Miller's been great. If you got issues with the defense, your point of Von Miller, just stop. Stop. <laughs> I, I think I'm making. I think I'm making up a, a making up making something up there, like creating a straw man to burn down. But like one one crazy. last thing too that I forgot that I wanted to mention earlier. A lot of I again, a lot of Bills fans, and understandably, look when you're angry, you lash out, and you, and you just want to make excuses and blame things. I get it. I do it all the time too. But a lot of Bills fans were pointing to um, Dawson Knox on that overtime drive in the end zone, it could have been called pass interference. I personally didn't see it. I think it was really close, and I don't think it's – I think it was the right call to not call that. But anyway, if you're a Bills fan complaining about the refs, stop it. Because, A, again, Gabe Davis did not catch that football on that final drive, which right. probably the Bills don't even get a shot at a field goal. It ends up being a Hail Mary if they mm-hmm. if it's ruled an incomplete pass, which it should have been. And also, in overtime, and I and I've seen the photos now – Delvin Cook was at like near the goal line and got stopped because remember the Vikings were going to win it in overtime. Mm-hmm. He got stopped for a three-yard loss, ended up being a field goal to give the Bills a chance. Anyway, the Bills had 12 men, clearly had 12 men on the field. Wasn't even a guy trying to get off. They had 12 guys in the middle of the football field and got away with that. So lick your wounds, get better, and, I, and I'll leave the Bills topic with one optimistic point of view here. You got Cleveland at home. You got the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving on the road. You got the New England Patriots on the road, which I'm not impressed by. I think they're right. the worst team in the division. And then you got the New York Jets at home. Those ne- those are your next four games. And then you got Miami coming to Buffalo. Handle your business the next four games, four incredibly winnable games. And just like that, you're 10-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And 10-3 and three sounds pretty damn good. And if Miami were to win out for the next month too, the best they would be is the same. So you're talking about a potential – two 10 and three teams playing in Buffalo, which probably would be for uh, the division at that point. So anyway, point being is they, there's still opportunity to get your shit together, but they got to get their shit together. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the important thing. Now, I, if, if I could, uh, I, I don't, I know everybody gets, you know, they, they get super horned up over stats and everything about, you know, you know, when it comes to, you know, the passing game and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. After Allen's performance yesterday, he leads the league in picks. Yeah, that's not. I didn't know that until you told me. I was just looking at, uh, looking at football reference at the stats. Yeah. And I see passes intercepted. Allen's number one. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, six in the last ten quarters right. will do that. No, I didn't I mean, know that though. But yeah, yeah, and I mean he's seventh in QB rating. You know, I, I take your ratings for whatever it's worth. But I mean, Jared Goff's right behind him, and you know how I feel about him. So yeah. I mean, you know, it's not the neighbor. It's not the neighborhood you want to be living in as a quarterback. Yeah. And Goff's had a fine season for they've him. Been, they've been living on the edge all season. They, they yeah. they're minus one and plus minus for for turnover ratios because they've had eighteen turnovers on offense. Just unacceptable. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about the team that you cover, the Buffalo Sabers here. <laughs> Uh, What's oh, with a five game, five game losing streak? One right? week ago, one week ago, the Sabers had lost a weekend series in uh, against what was it? It was Tampa and Carolina, but they were mm-hmm. coming home to begin a four game homestand. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. I think they were, I don't remember what the record was at the time, but here's what the record is right now, folks. They've lost five in a row, um, including three at home. We're taping this on Monday. Um, the Sabres are playing the final game against Vancouver mm-hmm. of their homestand tonight. Uh, but yeah, they've lost five in a row, highlighted or low-lighted, depending on your perspective, by last Thursday night, which we talked about a little bit. You want to talk about a uh, if you're Team Jack, 
You want to talk about the ultimate revenge game? Yeah. You come to Buffalo, you win, you get a hat trick, you get an assist for good measure. Man, mm. woo. Again, if you're a team Jack or if you're unbiased and you say both teams won the trade, whatever you want yeah. to say, what a great night for Jack Eichel. And I guess if you're a Jack fan, you really uh, yeah. enjoyed that. But that aside, Joe, last five games, and I want you could talk about the Vegas game as well because mm-hmm. you were there covering it, um, the vibe there for that. But uh, yeah, that's been the biggest problem right now with the Buffalo Sabres of late because, again, you, you, you lose five in a row. One last thing. <laughs> this is how quick and loaded the East is. As of right now, they're seven and eight on the year. Mm-hmm. And as we take this, they got 14 points, which is third from the entire bottom in the conference. They're 14th. They're in 14th place in a 16 team conference right now. What what's went wrong? <laughs> well, for, first off, don't ever look at the standings this early in the season because you're going to lose your mind. You're, you're going to lose your mind doing just that. Weird, kind of though. It's just weird, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, rattle off a couple wins in a row and some other teams fall off. Suddenly you're. Or eighth, or seems like no one ever falls eighth. off in the east, though. That's the weird. I don't know why. It's just it always seems like no one ever falls off. Yeah, it's I. Well, I, nobody. Well, nobody falls off. Nobody has losing streaks like this, really. I mean, that's that's right. what that comes out. And Buffalo's just in in a, in a kind of way right now. But um, of the past five games, the worst game that they played was against Arizona, by yeah. hands down, hands down, by far, and. I, I know a lot of fans were just like, "Oh, they dominated the game. They, they, you know, they, they did everything but you know score the goals and and win the game." And I'm like, "Well, those are two big factors, yes." Um, and yeah, they the shot board was very much in their favor, scoring all that stuff was very much in Buffalo's favor, uh, except they didn't send anybody to the net that entire game. Like they that they had nobody making life trouble for the goalie. They did not, you know, no shots, no rebounds, none of that stuff. Like there was just nothing happening in that, in that area. And that, that was, that Granado was not happy about that part of it. Cause it's the second, second or third time that something like that's happened this season where they just kind of, you know, settle for, for shots from distance and figure like, well, you can just pick this guy apart. It'll be easy. Well, coyotes are not going to just lay down for teams. Like that's just not how they do things. You know, the, the goalie they ran out there, Vamelka, not bad. I mean, he's not a bad team, but like, he's not a bad goalie. Um, and you know, the three goals they scored all flukes, every single one of them, but like you have to play well enough so that flukes don't beat you. You know, like you, if you, if they, if the Sabres did their play the way that they are very capable of playing, they they probably you know yeah they could give up three goals but they probably win at five to three or something like that like that's that's how that game should have gone but it didn't because they that's easily one of the one of their worst performances of the year they had leads again you know they had a lead against Tampa they played well against Carolina you know Aho gets a hat trick well, whatever he's great uh, they hung in like they went blow for blow at Vegas for two periods. You know, Vegas would score, Buffalo would score right back and tie it. Vegas gets ahead two to one. They score right, you score right again, right away again to make it two two. You know, like I mean, it, you can't ask for more out of that. But you know, third period, I mean, Jack Jack goes bananas, and I I think the I think when that I think when Jack gets that first it gets his first goal, I think that's that was a psychological blow to a degree yeah. because then it's like ah oh, crap, like we can't let this guy get going, and then. Plays right in, plays right in your hands, and like, listen, that that line that he plays on is unbelievably good. That is an extremely, extremely good, good line. Him, Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, amazing. Like they, they all do something a little different. They all have, they can all score the score goals. They can all, you know, they they all have tremendous talent. So like, that'll happen. And the matchups were hard. 
the the matchups are very. I mean, I listen, I know the Sabers get last change, but like every matchup was really tough. And you know, I think Dylan the Cousins line kind of took it on the took it on the chin that game. Which I mean, somebody was going to like. Sure. How, how do you defend Jack? Like, I mean, you can. I mean, they play with him for you know some of these guys play with him for years. Still doesn't mean you know how to how to how to play against him or you know what to do to you know to get him off his game or whatever. The, the Jack that we saw in that game is the guy that we saw in 2019, 2020. Like that, the guy who scored 36 goals or whatever it was, the guy who got MVP votes, the guy who looked like he was on another planet while the rest of his team was, you know, kind of dicking around, yeah. you know, around him. Like that was, that's the guy that was playing last night. The guy we saw in March that everybody was, was very easy, you know, very happy to, you know, to dunk on and rip on and all that, that that's Jack at, you know, 65, 70%. Like that's, that, that's what he was at that point last year because, it's you know you're coming off coming off bad you know crazy surgery you know your new team the whole thing but Jack now and that Vegas team the Vegas team is healthy the whole team is healthy that whole team's broken last year and Jack is a hundred percent hands down a hundred percent you know uh, style so like good teams are gonna do that and that you know the Bruins game listen the the Bruins game I can't get them on about on about about the Bruins game I I thought they played great I thought that was a it was a I thought that was the best game of the. Of the five in a row that they've lost, I thought that was the best game that they played out of the bunch. But they got goalied. Keith Kincaid, like Keith Kincaid's the number three goalie in Boston. Like, you know, he comes up and he makes the third period. He made some unbelievable stops. You know, he stops Quinn on a crazy, you know, with a crazy stop. It's a whole flurry bounce, you know, around him where he's making three, you know, two, three, four saves at once. And you're like, okay, like, you know, what are you going to do? And then you know, Patrice Bergeron scores. And then, you know, they give up, you know, that floater goal from Sporrell from the blue line through traffic. Like, you know, what are you going to do about that? You can't do anything about that. But, you know, Bergeron, listen, he's good. He's 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 a Hall of Famer. Like, he's it's tough to stop Hall of Famers, man. Like, that's even when they're 38, 39 years old, can't really wrangle them in. They know, they know the tricks. They know how to get things done. And you know what? Bruins played, uh, quote-unquote, unfair. And I say that kiddingly by putting uh, – Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak back together in the third period because it was a tie game. It was one one, and they're like, "We're not gonna lose this game. Let's get let's get the band back together and drive them crazy." And they did. Like it's, you know, it's one of the best lines in hockey for like the last, geez, four or five years. I mean, what do you do? Like I know they're older, but like they like Marchand's incredible. Pasternak's a forty goal guy every year, and Bergeron's one of the, one of the best centers I've watched in my life. So. What are you going to do? You know, I, I mean, it's just sometimes you get outclassed, and I think that's that's kind of what happened there. But the Sabres played pretty well. You know, it's it's just it's some guys are tough to 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 get a you know to 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 wrap up, and that's completely what what Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak are. Good luck. Most teams in the NHL can't wrap those guys up. Right. Uh, Tage scored. So I looked at the stats today. Tage is on, a, on, is on a bender, man. Eleven He's, goals. Eleven goals as we tape this again on Monday afternoon. Uh, he's third in the NHL right now in goals, and he's tenth in uh, points. And then I looked up Russell Stalin. He's at seventeen points. He's tied for twenty third. So he's in the top twenty five in the league in scoring. So obviously two bright spots uh, for the Sabers. Anyway, part of the problem at least has been, of course, injuries. Uh, what can you tell us again? We're taping this Monday. Ocposo no practice. Jack Quinn. No practice on Monday. Granado said he's going to be calling up at least one, if not two forwards, up from Rochester. By the time people hear this, they'll know exactly uh, who that was. On the defensive side, Yoki Haru practiced today. You were there for practice. Uh, yep. He was also in a con- – he was full go at practice too, right? And, yep. and, I re- and I read – I think you said something about Samuelson close to being back too. So yeah. 
What's going on with them? What what happened to Quinn? Because again, I I, I didn't pay much attention to be honest with you <laughs> to Saturday's game against Boston. I don't know what happened. What's going on with Quinn? Uh, I'm at a loss as well because uh, I didn't notice I didn't notice something that happened against Boston. I didn't see like if there was a situation um, where you know he went off. I mean there was there was a lot there was a lot to watch and and honestly. I was on AP duty that night, so I was very much locked in and making sure the game story was right. So unless it was a, sure. a gory, brutal injury, I probably may not have noticed it. But right. I, 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 but there wasn't anything that I noticed uh, during the flow of the game. So whatever the issue is, uh, it's get, he's getting reevaluated uh, today on Monday. Um, maybe we know more tomorrow uh, about mm-hmm. what it, you know what it is because they because they didn't even know you know if it was upper or lower or what. Um, so I mean, we'll we'll find that out tomorrow. But they said he's he's out. Certainly for the, for this week. So, uh, but that's that's unfortunate because he's he's played pretty well. Uh, all things considered, he's played pretty well. And I, I you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt, especially a guy, especially a rookie who is just really starting to get it going. And it felt like there there was about to be a, a turning point where he was going to get some some goals popping. And you know, now right. it's uh, now it's going to be it's going to be a little delayed now. But. Um, you know, Opozo not sweating him. They, I think they said it's, I think it's lower body with him. So, you know, whatever it's day to day, it's fine. Um, Yoki, how are you getting back? Is, is huge. getting to getting defensemen back is huge uh, because that's another thing to consider with, with the five games losing streak. They played four of the best teams in the NHL without two of their top four defensemen. I mean, have been doing that for a long time now, but, um, but when you're handling those teams and, you know, two of them on the road, it's really hard. It's really difficult. So Yoki Hari getting back is, is going to be very helpful. That's a huge get. Samuelson probably skating with the team some point this week is a, that's huge. Cause uh, we we've seen him around the room a bit the last week or so. Uh, and he got his locker, you know, he got a stall back in the room, which means he's getting close. It, for those that, for if you don't know, if a guy's been hurt and you know they got to replace him, in, you know, uh, with somebody from from the minors or something to, uh, to to get him in the lineup, they'll take the guy who's guy who's hurt, you know, to take the stall out of there and just be like, all right, just you know, you're not going to be here for a little bit, so we'll just get your stuff out of there. As soon as he gets stuff back in the room, you know, the clock's ticking for sure. Um, but now his stall is on the defensive side of the room. With, with all the other defensemen, whereas before it was just kind of like, all right, well, we got an open one here. Let's, let's get you in here. But, uh, but he's back on his spot on the side of the room at the D it's, I mean, I cannot say enough how important it is that they get him back because that's uh, it's a, he's a difference maker. He's, he's an absolute difference maker. He's, he's so strong on the defensive end of things. He's a physical presence and he lets Darlene go crazy with with handling the puck and 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 doing that he's doing that anyway let's not get it confused but um but but certainly Darlene has has a bit more faith that he's got certainly one person back there covering defense no matter what and that's you know that's been a bit of an issue for forwards you know making sure that they get back to cycle around if somebody you know if defenseman jumps in that's been that's where that's where we see so many odd man rushes coming in that what happens but um but that's, I mean, getting the defense fixed up is huge. Losing Quinn is, you know, for however long that ends up being, at least it's going to be at least this week. Uh, that's things. So we'll see. We'll see who they call up. I don't think they've announced something as of. They haven't, as, not as of this recording anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I haven't even got the text from the team yet about that. So uh, we'll see. I mean, the, the thing, with, the thing with bringing somebody up is Rochester has a unbelievable flu bug going through the team. They, they had f- four goalies come down with the flu. 
<laughs> like at once, you know, I, I, you know, you, you know, UPL missed the one game. And so he was out. Uh, Michael Hauser started in his place. They called up Beck warm from Cincinnati. Uh, then Hauser started getting dehydrated during the game. So he's got it. Uh, so now you're looking at starting, you know, maybe starting Beck warm at the end of this week, depending on if you guys are feeling better or whatever, but, um, but that guys uh, sickness gets into a, gets into a hockey room, man. Lock it down because guys will that that'll get around quick and guys will guys will get sick. So sure. I I wonder uh, the, one of the guys that I thought might get the call was uh, uh, Brandon Byro because he's played great he's played great in Roch, um, but he was a scratch the other night. So I maybe he's maybe he's got a bug too. I got a funny feeling though uh, if it's a winger they need we might see Anders Bjork back. I think that might be the that might be the call if. You know, I mean, if you're just going to go keep it simple, a guy who's, you know, guy who practiced here all training camp, whatever. Uh, but if you go outside of that, they might have to call two guys because, you know, it helps to have a, a backup, especially, you know, somebody that might have to cycle in, especially going on the road. Yeah. They're going, you know, they're going on the road to uh, Ottawa after the game Tuesday. Uh, but maybe Linus Weisback might be a might be a guy to keep an eye on. Maybe he gets a maybe he gets a tap. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But. Uh, but if it's up to me and everybody's healthy, I think Byro's the guy you go with, uh, just because he's played so well and you want to reward guys that do that. Last, uh, last question, then I'll let you go. So power and Darlene have been seeing some shifts together. Uh, don't think that's going to be permanent when, you know, when Samus and Yogaro come back, but mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's, it's a stacked deck. <laughs> you're, you're putting, you're putting all your, all your eggs into the basket there. Right, it's like they can't skate 60 there. minutes. So, <laughs> right. Uh, they, they tried, <laughs> they tried against Boston. They both played close to 30 minutes in that game. So mm. that's, that's, it's asking a lot. Um, but, uh, Granado talked about it on Monday about how, uh, that's something that he doesn't want to keep that as a permanent thing. Obviously that's, you know, it's not, that's not the plan. Uh, but he wants to use that strategically, you know, offensive zone faceoffs. Uh, if you get if a team gets stuck out on an icing and they're tired, you put both of those guys out there. You can control the puck in your zone, maybe get a scoring opportunity or a goal out of it. So uh, that's that's a pairing I can see showing up when they need goals. I think late in games you're going to see those two together if they if they're chasing chasing after you know a deficit. Uh, I think that you'll see that maybe a little bit more regularly, but. Um, but, I mean, they're both playing. I mean, Darlene's I can't talk enough good things about how Darlene's played, but power has been points may not be there for power. Uh, he's got a few assists, which is good, but, um, but he's, 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 he looks every bit of like a 10 year season vet, the way he plays and the way he handles himself. He's it, it, it goes understated because he's, he's kind of a quiet guy, but man, he's good. He's, he's so good. And it, it's, it's one of those, it's kind of like the under the classic under the radar defenseman thing. Like I don't even notice him. And he did his job is what he's yeah. doing. You know? Well, we got, uh, let's see. So we got Vancouver tonight, Tuesday, Ottawa. Then they go on the road for three, all Canadian games, by the way, mm-hmm. they're at Ottawa Wednesday at Toronto Saturday. That's always a fun game when, uh, the, the Sabres in the least play, especially on Saturday night hockey. That'd be cool. And then Montreal to finish up that three game road trip. It's Look, a weird. It's a weird road trip, Pat. It is. It they're, is. They're not, they're not staying out on the road for any of those games. Like they're going to Ottawa. They're coming back. They're going to Toronto. Coming back. And then yeah. Toronto, coming back. So it's weird. Hmm. Well, hopefully they can pick up a little bit. And uh, well, like you said, they've been playing pretty well. But hopefully yeah. they'll translate to some points. You don't want to see them get buried 
any further because it's at least fun to uh, imagine a scenario where the Sabres are in the thick of a playoff race yes. come, you know, March. And if you get buried too far now, you're not going to come back from that. Anyway, all right. Uh, make sure you give Joe a follow on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Noted hockey Substack. Subscribe to that. I got links to all this stuff in the show notes, too. And, of course, Maintenance Day podcast. Uh, Lance Lazowski, Joe, every Monday. That is, in my opinion, the best Sabres-related hockey podcast out there today. By far, it's not even close either. So make sure you check all that out. Thanks, buddy, man. This was a uh, – I kind of feel like a little therapeutic right now. Spend all that time talking about the Bills. I feel a little bit better. I'm glad. I'm glad to not be a Bills fan, so I can be the uh, so I can be the therapist for everybody to just kind of bounce ideas off of. Talk to you guys soon. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.